Kiwi Yarns with Brody Kane. Kia ora and welcome to Kiwi Yarns. Now, I am rather fascinated to speak to today's guest because as we speak, he's based in Auckland, which is currently in a level three lockdown, hashtag COVID-19. He runs a festival you may have heard of. It's called Rhythm and Vines. I don't know, 20 odd thousand people descend on Gisborne every year. And it's just announced its lineup for the three day New Year extravaganza. And that is only, you know, amidst the weirdest, most uncertain year that we've all known. And let's see if we can really kick 2020 out by that time. Despite all of the weirdness, the festival sold out before even a single act had been named. The lineup has been announced now. It is epic. Festival co-founder Hamish Pinkham, thank you for joining me on Kiwi Yarns. Oh, it's great to be here, Brody. Thank you for having me. Now, gosh, I mean, what a time. You've you've just announced a lineup to a festival that <laughs> I mean, right now you couldn't go to it if it was tomorrow. Um, but how do you feel? You've, you've, you know, you've announced Benny, Shapeshifter, Fat Fruity's Drop, LAB, The Upbeats, Lady Six, basically anyone that you can get that's in the country, right? Yeah, it's like our version of Homegrown, um, which is ironically where the festival started as a big Kiwi celebration. So here we are 18 years later um, hosting some of the, the cream of, New Zealand's talent, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're really upbeat. I mean, we're really excited about pulling off the festival. Some would say perhaps slightly delusional given the current environment, but um, we, you know, we're four months out from New Year's, so who knows what's going to happen this week, I mean, this month, um, and, you know, it is a bit of Russian roulette pulling these big projects together in the current environment, but I think our team's just, you know, trying to be upbeat, um, trying to be positive and, and it's, it's all systems go at our end to pull off the best festival we can. Do you have um, A, B, C, D, E, F, G backup plans, you know, uh, just to go, okay, it might look like this, it might look like this? Yeah, we have been keeping things fluid and I think when the first COVID uh, lockdown hit, we, you know, we managed to secure the, the number of the Kiwi leading Kiwi acts that we released last night. So, you know, your BNEs, your Fat Freddies, your shapeshifters. I mean, these these guys are festival stalwarts and they'll be fantastic. But yeah, we we have pride ourselves on that international flavor at Rhythm and Vines and um, the cutting edge talent. And, and, you know, it's been a shame to not close some of those deals, but the conversations are open. Um, The doors, you know, doors ajar. Who, Who knows what may happen with the border situations? I mean, there's talk of, you know, rugby teams joining us. There's talk of America's Cup going ahead. So, if the events and music industry can slide in there somehow with some critical uh, worker visas for, for leading artists to maybe surprise us at New Year's, then, you know, we want to have that opportunity alive. And, you know, I think we'll have till December to, to keep those conversations going. And, um, and you know, but in the meantime, it's uh, the best of Kiwiana. And, and I think, you know, that'll be enough this year to celebrate what's been a pretty memorable year. How has it been... Um talking with and working with New Zealand musicians because, you know, everyone wants to be out there. Everyone everyone needs to be paying their mortgages, making money, putting food on the table, but also not actually being able to be out there doing live things. Yeah, no, it has been, you know, it's been a real wake up for the events and music industry. There's a lot of camaraderie, I think, amongst the promoters, you know, um, from from our side of the fence, you know, um, everyone understands the risk and the, you know, and the effort that goes into these big projects and, We've been able to share resources and share insights and contacts within government or a local council about, you know, some of the 
working around some of the restrictions. Um, suppliers have been, you know, have been um, <clears throat> communicating with everyone just about how the you know payments will work. You know, it's a real, it's a real tough time. So um, then you got to look at the artists, as you say, and, and this is what they do best. They they they're itching to perform again. You know, they're looking forward to the summer. They haven't been able to to expand their horizons overseas. You look at a band like Fat Freddy's Drop that you know has great does great business in Europe and, and had to cancel their tour earlier in the year to be back in New Zealand. So um, let's hope there's a big upsurge in the, in the local industry and, and there's a big support to, to get behind the local bands. And I think we're going to see a big um, re-gentrification of the industry going forward. How hard is it to organise a festival for 20,000 people knowing in the back of your mind that it might not happen or is that worth not thinking about? Yeah, we're not thinking about that quite yet. I mean, we... I mean, we are looking at potentially the, the idea of, of, of moving the date if um, an outbreak was to happen in December and and whether we move that event into the, the first quarter of next year. Um, you know, you, we've got to think we've got four, three or four months to potentially roll the event out. I mean, all the artists are here, the punters are here. Um, it won't be pretty, especially as we begin the site build early December um, to then maybe have to dismantle and, and move it. But I don't think we're at that point yet. What we're four months out, so we've got plenty of time to keep things fluid. Um, as I said, we're just trying to be positive, um, remain upbeat, and um, keep people excited because when the gates still open, it's going to be um, surely one of the best festivals yet um, after the year we've all had. And I think that what it shows as well, going back to the point before, is that people crave and love music. Music always makes people feel good, but then when you go to something live, um, it's a whole other experience. Is that how you got into this whole business? I mean, we can. I mean, we could start right now talking about the first year of Rhythm and Vines, where pretty much it was a party for you and your uni mates. And now look at it. I mean, is that is live music and music always been a big passion for you? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I was an aspiring. Um, slash struggling musician at university and we had a little pub band and um, I think New Zealand didn't really have a festival scene um, in the early 2000s and we noticed all our friends heading offshore. Um, I'd been to Thailand on a few trips, people went to Sydney. There was no one place together and it was felt like New Zealand was kind of frowned upon as a you know summer destination. There was the you know the pub scene and kind of Taupo and Whangamata and places like that but there was no big you know, euphoric gathering, um, except for perhaps the gathering, <laughs> which it, which <laughs> yeah. it ended. Um, and we were looking for somewhere to go where we could group, gather our mates. Um, and that's, we took it upon ourselves to, to organize the first rhythm and vines. But in terms of big event management, I had you know, limited experience. We'd, we'd organized a few pub, pub gigs and a few graduation parties, but you know, I was quite passionate about learning, um, more about the industry and, and we surrounded ourselves by some, Surround ourselves with some, um, you know, some um, highly skilled people, people that had worked on Splore Festival, um, some that had, you know, worked on, you know, early Sweetwaters, and and we we kind of had a vision at, there in Gisborne and on our friend's property at Waiheka, and, and we started to kind of piece together our vision, and um, it, it took a few years to get to, you know, festival level. Um, some pretty crude parties those first few years where we had, you know, sea of bottles and um, you know ran out of water and. Um, and you know, people staying up all night and all day. Um, but early years of, of of what's become pretty iconic festival. So um, baptism by fire, if you like. And yeah, it has become a career for me now. And and I've learned learned a lot over the over the years about of these big projects and, and pulling off these big events. But um, 
it certainly wasn't that way in the early days. Is this the 17th, I was trying to rack my brain, is this going to be the 17th or 18th year? 18th year this year. Right. So, do, um, do you remember, like, can you remember every festival individually? Like, can you go, oh... 2005, yeah, quite a, 2010. Quite a memory, and especially around the lineup and the, and the music and the bookings and things. I, that's one side of the business that I, I work on and drive. And yeah, I've got quite a, um, quite a fond memory. I mean, that that almost like having your little children each year. Um, <laughs> you know, you spend so much time on them, um, working up to them and, and building them. And whether it's the branding or whether it's the, the, um, the you know, the lineup, um, some of the changes that we make on site. Um, and we've had so many, you know, dynamic years, you know, through the, the early years, creating a party that the B-Dub years um, and some of the growing pains we had with 30 odd thousand people in Gisborne um, through to the kind of re- rebirth of Rhythm and Vines and, and a smaller event out on site, bringing all the camping under one roof um, and, and growing the event, building it again. Um, and now a chapter working with our partners, Live Nation on, on really trying to run, you know, the best festival we can at a world-class level, with um, you know the technologies around ticketing and payments, with some of the production, with um, you know the stages and and developing new trends and and dance music and and you know all the other you know bells and whistles that go into making rhythm and find some what it is. So yeah, it, it's it's something we give our you know give our heart and soul to. We you know we've got a really passionate team that work on it um, all year. And, um, yeah, it certainly becomes part of us. One of the things that I think is really interesting as well is, as you say, it definitely started in a different way and then it was, you know, it was a one-day and then it morphed into a three-day festival and it got bigger and bigger. And then, obviously, as you said, the Baywatch element was added to it and it was massive and shit hit the fan at Baywatch and, and there was a lot of backlash around that. Do you think it got too big? Like... Yeah, I think, I mean, it did get big. I mean, whether too big is the right word, it got it probably got too many moving parts. Um, and, you know, we do this we do this for the punter. Um, and if the punter's experience is not, um, is not seamless, then, you know, you don't have a product. And, you know, we found with when the event was probably at its peak, there was lots of moving parts. There was campgrounds that um, were a certain ticket. There was transport out to the site. Um, that was, you know, another layer of, of complication for the punters there was you know five days was probably too long um for the concept as well so you know i think when we had those issues that um you know at the, at the campgrounds and, and forced the business to kind of rescope, we created what's become a really sustainable model you know it's a it's a fair price ticket it's a it's a three-day festival everyone's under one roof um you know we cut back on some of the stages some of the security and the overheads that were hanging around we can invest more into the site and so it's, it probably took us a good 15 years to get work out what Rhythm and Vines was. Um, and those years, you know, when we did have the growing pains were look fantastic and people still talk about them fondly, you know, rolling into Gisborne on the, the night of the 26th, um, setting up your, your tent down at B-Dub, you know, the BYO culture, meeting people from all over the country, you know, all the shenanigans that went with that, um, rolling out to Waihaka and seeing, you know, some of the best acts on the planet, you know, the Calvin Harris's, the Pendulums, um, and partying till you know sunrise on the first, it was, it was magic. But um, you know, unfortunately, some of these things aren't sustainable. Um, the drinking culture, you know, needed to be curtailed, and and you know, we needed to bring everyone under one one license. And um, and now we've got a model that works. And I think you know the fact we did sell ninety percent of the tickets, you know, in January 
post event just shows you know how successful the current product is for people that might for people that are listening that might have never been to a festival or have never been to rhythm and vines what do you think draws people to it yeah it's quite a unique recipe and i think one of the reasons that we've worked on it for so long is because we really believe in it you know it is it is a really special product rhythm and vines and there's many moving parts to it i mean you know, Gisborne, I think, has been a huge part of um, of our continued success. And and when we had the idea for the, the party coming out of university, we did consider places like Wanaka and Nelson and Hawke's Bay. And, you know, you do wonder whether we would have had such long-lasting success if we'd been in those other regions. But there was something about Gisborne. Um, you know, it's at the end of the road. It's it's a roadie to get to. It's um, the first place to bring in the sun, um, the beaches, the sunshine. You know, it is a uh, an ideal summer destination and and having that as our foundation i really is has been meant we've been able to grow the vision um the venue as well is is world class and, and we've had artists and festival experts from around the world you know put put wire hacker in there and they you know the top top festival venues of the world you know the undulating hills the the, the distant views the you know the shelter the the trees the vines i mean it is it's picture perfect. So when you've got bones like, you know, a, a, a hometown like Gisborne and a fantastic venue, then you can start building the, the layers on top of that. And, you know, I think we've been lucky with, you know, the boom in Kiwi music um, early on in our journey. We had some success with your Fat Freddies, your Shapeshifters, your Coras, and, and they were bands that Kiwis could really get behind and get excited about. And we helped uh, create that wave and, and spearhead that, that scene. And, um, and since then, we've been able to top it up with, you know, some of the best electronic and hip hop acts from around the world and and putting, you know, some of these leading dance acts like your knife parties and your pendulums and your sub focus on on a big rig is um, is something that Kiwis had never seen before. And, and you know, that, that got them hooked. Um, and I think drum and bass especially has, has been um, you know, a huge trend in New Zealand. So you look at those parts of the recipe and then friends getting together and, and that was a big part of the whole vision overall is just somewhere to gather somewhere to see your mates at a special time of year and it's um it's a festive time you're you're out of work you've got a bit of money in your pocket um you're out there to you know have fun to get laid to um to uh, get drunk and and rhythm and vines provides that so um you know those that haven't been i mean it's it's um as i say to people you can't put a price on the time of your life and I think that's what Rhythm and Vines offers a lot of Kiwis. Well, I, and I, you know, it is important for me to declare to the people listening that I'm a 10-year veteran. And um, it's funny because obviously those first years I was really young and, you know, people, when you say the word veteran now, it is because you are in that older category of people that go and you often get people that go, aren't you a bit too old for a festival? And it's like, no, because you can't, if you haven't been to one, and particularly if you haven't been to Gisborne, you actually can't describe the feeling of the beautiful weather, walking up the hill, seeing the stages. And, it, yeah, it's something that, like you say, you can't put a price on it. I don't think people can imagine it without being there. And, and you know, I it's interesting, isn't it? Because you do get people that just look at a festival and go, oh, yes, know what they're all up to. And it's like, actually, if you come... And you see the vibe. It's something that it's just something that you, you just can't describe to people without them almost being there, right? Yeah, that euphoria, that escapism, I think as well. And that's again what's unique about Gisborne. I mean, you roll over the hills, 
you've just dusted off work for the year, you're with your best mates, you know, the fridge is loaded and you've just disappeared into this, you know, um, <clears throat> this vortex of, of euphoria and, and, you know, it is hard to describe and that's why being there is everything. Um, and, you know, I've been lucky enough to visit some fantastic festivals of the world, but I, I think that electricity um, at Rhythm and Vines is, you know, only probably only beaten by Glastonbury, um, in my opinion. And there's just something really special about that, that, that New Year's celebration here in New Zealand and that, you know, that real Kiwi, Kiwi patriotic feel of standing on that hill at Waiheka. And, um, yeah, 10 years in and, you know, we, we hope to see, see you in years to come. I mean, it's a, a feeling that, you, you know, you, you can experience at any age. I'll be bloody there with my Zimmer frame. Um, <laughs> honestly, but so talking about Glastonbury and that, you have been, you've been to Glastonbury, you've been to Coachella, you've, you've been to Burning Man, haven't you? Burning Man's the one that eludes me. Ah. And funnily enough, this was the year that I'd, I'd really put it in my sights. Right. They say it, they say it calls you. The, <laughs> um, the burners try and say spiritually that, you know, at some point it'll be ready for you but this was the year I'd kind of lined it up and you know obviously we've had all the the issues of COVID so it's, it'll continue to elude me but um yeah I'm a little bit nervous about Burning Man it looks like quite a um quite a journey yeah even as someone that likes to think I'm a festival pest I still don't know if I'm I don't, I don't think it's called me yet um so you go to those festivals as well though Hamish to learn and draw from them and and because I mean there are some you know I was watching a video the other video DVD I don't know no neither of those Netflix <laughs> of um Tomorrowland and I was just like holy shit like I think when I turn 40 which is in a few years I'm going to take the whole year off and I'm going to festival hop because I think that's a great idea do it that'll be that'll be the dream yeah We've um, been lucky enough to attend, yeah, quite a few festivals and many of them on the industry front, you know, getting some access and having a look around, many with my friends and just enjoying them. And, you know, you work out what, what you know, you like and what you can bring back to Rhythm and Vines. You also work out what you don't like and where what you want to stay away from. Um, but I think of, yeah, first time I went to Glastonbury, blown away. I mean, that's the, kind of the granddaddy of the industry and it's on another level. I mean, it's 200-odd it's thousand people and, um, but that real festive um, atmosphere is something that Rhythm and Finds can kind of replicate. Um, and then Coachella, for example, we, we started to build those kind of housing packages and the, like the pool parties and some of that peripheral activity um, from Coachella. We brought that back to Gisborne and, and um, <clears throat> the cutting edge, trendy side. We've always wanted to be kind of on the edge with, you know, new artists and, you know, developing talent. And I think that's something we bought from Coachella as well. And that, that real kind of um, trend trend setting element, you know, and, and, and making it the place to be is, is one thing we've really strived to do, make it aspirational for Kiwis, um, a place where they can, you know, dress up and, and you know, feel and look good and and be tidy and happy. And um, that's that's something we took from Coachella, but, you know, even, you know, places like Ibiza and, and seeing the latest trends with music, um, Berlin, um, is you know is, is part of the job as well and just seeing where things are heading and where we can continue to make rhythm and vines as good as it can be. Talk to me about when you're sitting around and you're planning and you're like, right, guys, who should we get this year? And it's like, I don't know, let's pick up the phone and try for Schoolboy Q. Or, oh, Chance the Rapper would be quite nice. Or Franz Ferdinand, Moby. NERD, Carl Cox, let's call them all. That's just some of the big ones over the years. Talk to me about the process of hustling for an artist because I can't imagine it's that easy. (laughs) 
Yeah, we started like that and we had, you know, big ambitions. And I think even the first year of Rhythm and Vines, we sat on the hillside and we we set our ideal dream lineup at the time was going to be Salmonella Dub, Black Eyed Peas, Ben Harper and Groove Amata. And so we did have those big ambitions about, and then we thought, how do we, how do we get these guys? And, you know, it was through a series of door knocking and, and, and coffees and hustling, we started to get the, the top Kiwi acts and, and, you know, your shapeshifters, your fat freddies, because we had limited access as just being a couple of students out of Otago. Um, and then I started knocking on a few doors overseas and we secured a few UK acts. And then we had big ambitions to go to three days. And with that came establishing these touring networks with the Australian festivals and, and getting to know some of the top agents. So there's a process where you, you know, you put an offer forward um, to these agencies and a lot of them are based in LA and London. And you detail all the um, information required, like set time, money, obviously, um, you know, performance date, um, and what you'll provide as a promoter, whether it's the accommodation and transport. And you, you put the offers together and, and you put them in front of the agent, and that gets passed on to the artist. And, you know, we have blindly um, <clears throat> shot in the dark towards some of our dream acts in the past, and, and acts like Chase and Status and Pendulum took a few years to to land after um, repeated bookings. But as we've gone on into the industry, you realize it is quite structured. Um, it's all about relationships. It's all about um, calendars and timeframes and record releases. And, and once you start to understand the trends and the, and the cycles, um, you can be a bit more strategic about working out who, who is going to be back on the road over certain periods, um, who's made commitments to other festivals in the region, which will rule them out or promote them. Um, you know, sowing seeds uh, for artists for years to come um, is another technique we've learnt. Um, and, have, and being a, a tried and tested promoter and, and a, an honourable promoter that pays their bills and, and does good business um, pays dividends as well because when certain acts become in trend, um, you can get access to them. And we had some success with the likes of Tiny Timber, who was, um, you know, an up-and-coming rapper when we got offered him by a, an esteemed agent and um, by the end of the year was one of the leading acts of the industry and you know we we had him at Rhythm and Vines so artists like that Chance the Rapper was another one um, we'd been working on for a few years and by the time we did book him he was you know the toast of the industry so it's about timing it's about luck and it's about um, you know working hard to establish yourself. Without going into detail or naming names What's the most outrageous rider? So for people that don't know, a rider is the artist's demands, like, for instance, in a green room, what they need, what kind of drinks. What's the most outrageous rider you've ever had? Yeah, well, going back to probably Chance the Rapper, and um, it, and it wasn't so much the demands. I mean, the demands were excessive, but it was just how much they changed over the course of the booking. So I think we secured him in, say, April may and you know he released as um you know one of his signature albums and by the end of the year he was performing at the white house you know for for obama and you know the level of um of hospitality just went through the roof and we were told he wouldn't get on a propeller plane um, we had to have a jet waiting for him um we had to rope off the house at waihaka and i know you're familiar with the house up there we had to clear that whole area out just for chance the rappers crew um he wouldn't go on stage without a um a, a hamburger that you know had no condiments in it so he had to have that freshly um 
freshly made and provided, which remained untouched after the performance. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> considerable substances and, and lubricants to um, ensure that he performed to the highest ability. But he did. And, you know, he was the, the act of, you know, that year, I think it was 2016, we had him at Rhythm and Vines and we went to, you know, all efforts to ensure that his feet didn't touch the ground one bit. Um, he left a happy man on his on his private jet. Um, and I guess that's all part of the business. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, that was one one artist that demanded the best. I mean, hip hop traditionally is, is quite difficult. Um, they're used to the, um, the, the success of, in the excess of the US um, playing in places like, you know, Atlanta and Las Vegas and they arrive in little old Gisborne <laughs> with the kind of the tractor um, trolley, luggage trolley coming out yes. and, um, and they're kind of horrified, but it's got its unique charm and our, our team are really hospitable and, you know, it's a great level of Gisborne when you fly in um, and, and meet our team and, and meet the Kiwi crowd, you know, you can't help but be brought down to earth, so... Um, that's all part of our experience. Do you th- as I, I must say as well, though, being so out in the middle of nowhere, you know, it's one thing to get to New Zealand. It's another thing to get to Gisborne. <laughs> How tricky is that with, get, you know, have you ever had anyone miss a plane or not make it or anything like that? Yeah, we kind of, um, <clears throat> I think it's more the agents. I think the agents just floss over it. Uh, gloss over it with their clients sometimes just saying yeah no you'll be it's down, it's down near Auckland like you'll be fine so artists like Pharrell I remember he flew into Auckland and um, you know then was soon bundled onto one of those kind of pencil planes with propellers and um, and was then kind of shimmied on down to Gisborne and he was horrified it was a day of like really heavy wind and he was coming in on one of those pencil planes just getting blown over the the show and, and these Americans aren't used to propellers either I mean Kiwi's you know, with our link network, you know, <laughs> bouncing around Ian Nelson and the like, we're quite familiar with those little pencil plans. But these, um, these, you know, renowned hip hop and, and artists coming to New Zealand and getting the, the diversion to Gisborne <laughs> is um, certainly eye opening. But yeah, as I said, once you get down there, I mean, it's it's a beautiful little town. Um, they get out on site, and you know, they're, they're uniquely charmed. I mean, not many of these festival sites are held in such beauty. You know, with the the vines and the trees, you know, often those guys are just going from stadium to car park to showgrounds to, you know, um, basketball stadiums and things. So, you know, it's not the worst place to roll into um, and get greeted with a warm Kiwi smile. And, and, you know, they're very receptive once they're there. With all of the work that you do during the year, do you actually get to relax at the festival or do you have to run around like a madman? Um, yeah, I hope none of my team are listening to this because uh, <laughs> they will very well that I, I like to enjoy myself at the festival. And um, yeah, no, I, I'm sure I do. Um, I do not necessarily let my hair down, but certainly experience the festival. And I think it's really important to get to know the festival. I mean, we work on it all year. We give so much time and effort to building this thing. And it would be a shame to be locked away in a porter cabin or you know, be stressing out and and not taking time to, you know, smell the roses, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I, I really try to experience every every second of the festival and, and get in there early and, and get around. And I think with my role at the festival now is, you know, overseeing the bookings and, and um, being a bit of a, a, a host as well to, you know, sponsors and guests and artists and getting around, talking to people um, and showing that I'm, in, I'm relaxed and enjoying it. I think it goes a long way. There's nothing worse than going to someone's event when they, uh, whether it's their birthday party or their wedding or 
otherwise and seeing the you know the the, the host um, you know pulling the hair out or or not enjoying themselves. So it's it's an important part to having fun at your own festival um, and booking the lineup as well. It's important to get around and see how everyone's received and who's performing well and 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 who's worth it a, a rebooking next year or um, you know how how the crowd's filling out of of what zones it's. It's important to get around and experience all those things so you can do your job better um, the following year. I know that you're probably not going to be able to answer this, but you might. Do you have a favourite? Is there one that you can just, that you always go back to and think, that was fucking awesome? <laughs> yeah, we had a really uh, memorable year in 2010, and it was the third year of the three-day model. And when we first started the three-day concept, it was, um, it was you know, we got a really big backlash from a lot of people like the industry from the punters you know a lot of people saying look we can't even survive one night of rhythm and vines how the hell are we going to do three (laughs) and um you know gisborne was confused about these buses and all these campgrounds and people coming out day after day and and you know we were basing it on industry standard these these festivals like coachella overseas were successful with the three-day model so we uh, had a crack in in 2008 at the three-day model and we we're really um throwing back with some of the costs that it took to to create you know we had to triple our you know security bill we had to triple our um production we had to you know three days of everything we had to bring in visas and jets and and all the international artists and that the costs just grew and grew and grew so anyway we we're on the back foot for a couple of years trying to pay that debt but in 2010 it felt like the model clicked finally everyone got the three-day model and they were like wow this is awesome we can really pace ourselves and build up to the final night um and with the tickets sold we sold twenty-five thousand tickets we sold out um we had a small really small passionate team um that worked on that festival and it was really rewarding um we had chase and status an act that we've been chasing for a few years to perform was still one of my most memorable um performances um, and that was the year we did have Tiny Temper. We had Carl Cox um, joining us. And, and it was just, um, it was something special um, that I'll never forget standing on the hillside um, watching, you know, the first sellout of Rhythm and Vines, uh, the first time that we really, you know, brought the vision home. Um, but yeah, every year is, is fun. Um, I think every year it gets better. It feels like the experience gets a little bit less seamless, um, a, little, a little more seamless. Um, you know, the new VIP area is something that I'm really enjoying. It's inside a stage. It's gives really good access to um to to the to the, the crowd and, and the artists and it's um the, those little kind of additions we make each year, you know, the campground entertainment's been a huge success as well and having people jump out of their tent to to start socializing. Um and yeah, the, the midnight countdown, I know we haven't you know, we didn't get it right on time last year, but you know, the, the midnight videos are another addition that um that I'm really proud of and they just keep getting better and better each year and, and something that we really look forward to. So no, I think that the experience gets better with age. Yeah. See, like, like, like us festival goers, I mean, you know, <laughs> the amount of times that I've been out later than some of those young folk, I tell you what. Um, now, obviously you, you know, you're, you're, you're busy with the festival and that, but also like, quite enjoy a bit of the quiet life you've got a lovely partner you've got a dog you love cooking so I guess equally you like a bit of that balance yeah yeah I'm kind of nesting at the moment I mean we're laughing that it's taken a global pandemic to kind of clip our wings a bit but um no I've had a had a great kind of career in the festival game bouncing around the world and 
chasing um, my dreams and attending some fantastic gigs. But it's been a nice stage of the life of my life to kind of put some roots down in Auckland and, you know, purchased a property recently in Mount Eden and, um, yeah, lovely partner, Roma, and our little our little dog and just enjoy a bit of routine and um, never thought I'd say it, but, you know, it's those little simple things and, um, and you know, the time will come again to, to be out there traveling the world, but, you know, what a great opportunity to just appreciate, you know, friends and family and, and a fantastic city like Auckland and, um, you know, some of the food and, and, entertainment we have around the city is world class and you know you don't always need to be looking out into the world for for those um escapes when you know new zealand's got so much to offer here so really really happy at the moment i mean given the covid environment it's um it's a nice time to just refocus and just slow down perfect i love that now we'll do the kiwi yarns quick fire because and the first question will be interesting for you because boy oh boy mate your second skill like festival organizer one dab hand in the kitchen another my word some of those big pieces of meat that you cook um so in that vein question number one is what do you bring to a summer barbecue yeah well i have souped up my barbecue game and i um i one of my favorite cities is austin in texas and i've been a few times for south by southwest and austin city limits and you know the barbecue culture is um is fantastic there you know they take their real time you know, crack a beer and spend the day grilling. And um, so I've been upskilling myself on the famous Franklin's barbecue uh, masterclass and learned a few tricks. So yeah, I've been working on my brisket, working Ooh. on my ribs and um, and it's a great pastime. So yeah, that's probably what I'd be bringing to the next barbecue. Um, some real southern fired, low and slow um, cooking. Yeah, I'm here for that. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> um, and the five Kiwi people that you're inviting or bringing to that barbecue? Uh, yeah, so uh, one of my heroes is Zane Lowe, um, someone I've looked up to and and someone that's really aspirational within our industry. Um, you know, humble Kiwi kid making his way in the, in the music industry and now one of the leading influences and in, 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 in ear to some of the top artists around the world. So I've um, been lucky enough to have Zane at the festival a couple of times and he's a um, fantastic Kiwi and, and he'd be my first pick to join us um, at, at my dinner party. Um, another hero um, in the creative industries is Peter Jackson and someone I've really looked up to. I've never met him or come across him, but really inspired by what he's achieved, bringing like a world-class industry to here in New Zealand. And it's kind of something we've tried to do with Rhythm and Vines. There's no reason why we can't be operating at a world-class level here in our little country. So I'd love to meet him as well. Good. Um, These are good. <laughs> Benny is um, is the girl of the moment. Um, she's our headliner for Rhythm and Vines this year. Um, I've never met her either, but she's a, you know a, an exciting talent, um, homegrown talent, and a real creative mind. Um, so I'd love to keep for her to, to join us and, and keep us entertained. Um, well, you can have her at your barbecue when she comes to the bloody festival now. Yeah, we should do the do the barbecue at Waikiki. Absolutely. Uh, my lovely partner Roma um, will keep us entertained as well. So she'll be she'll be joining us um, at the the dinner as well. And um, finally, I'd like to invite Al Brown as well to oh. to teach me a few more culinary skills. Um, he's another guy I admire. I love his authenticity and his um, brand direction and what he's achieved in the in the industry here in New Zealand. So I'd love um, him to join us. I know he's a music lover as well, so he can um, help help man the barbie. So that would be my <laughs> My five Kiwis. 
That's a great lineup. That's a well thought out lineup. I absolutely love it. Um, now this, now this one for you. I don't know how tricky is this. Favorite ki- Kiwi artist or song? Yeah, shit. There's lots to lots to choose from. I mean, Kiwi music just keeps getting better and better, and um, and we've hosted some fantastic acts over the years. I mean, favorite song for me probably is um, a Mutton Birds song, Anchor Me. Um, yeah, I used to play in a little covers band at uni, and I know whenever we used to play that song, it used to send um, you know tingles up the spine, and it's a very beautiful song. Um, so those that don't know it, check it out. Mutton Birds. Don McGlashan was the the singer. I've got goosebumps um, so thinking about it. It's such a beautiful song. Yeah. And there's a lot of Kiwiana and the you know the nautical connotations involved with that. So um, yeah, that would be a Kiwi fave for me. Yeah, no, good choice there. Um, now, where would you go? Where would you love to go in New Zealand that you haven't been? Uh, New Zealand, yeah, it's spent a little bit of time. Um, well, only once in Fiordland um, to to go to Milford Sound when I was down at Otago University. Um, but makes me think I didn't really make the most of of living in that part of the country because I'd love to spend more time down that way. There's Doubtful Sound, which um, is apparently stunning and less tourists than Milford. There's Big Bay and Fiordland, just that whole region I'm not that familiar with, but I've heard it's beautiful, remote, tranquil. There's fantastic, you know, crayfish, there's diving. And I'd love to do that kind of uh, chopper ride or the, the, um, the plane trip through those fjords at some stage. So maybe when we get out of level three, um, can make that happen. Yeah, it's pretty epic down have there. You, it's like. Have you done that? I, so I've flown from. Milford back to Queenstown um, yeah. on one of those little wow. planes. And it, the the thing about it is you just, it, you're like, this must be what the planet looked like millions of, ye- millions of years ago. Like it, it's so untouched. You just, uh, it's sort of unfathomable and you fly over, um, you know, and there's a, like a massive lake in between two mountains that you're like, what is that? I don't know. It's just sitting there, you know, like it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I'm like you, I only, when I only went there a couple of years ago and I still don't think I did enough time down there, you know? Yeah, that's so, fantastic. What a great opportunity now that we are kind of landlocked for the next year or so to get around and see these kind of places. They're world class. Absolutely. So. I love it. Now, finish the sentence. I'm most happy in New Zealand when I am... In a car on the road trip to Rhythm and Vines, of course. Gosh, it's, <laughs> hey, it's such a good road trip there. Sometimes it's not always <laughs> the most desirable trip afterwards. <laughs> no, I remember the Auckland girls from uni, They, I think they had it right because they used to drive down and then I think Daddy would like pay for a flight home. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. <laughs> or yeah, what? Last chopper out of Saigon. Or what some people, people leave on the first. I never leave on the first. I leave on the second because I'm like, I can't, the first needs to be a day of just gathering your thoughts and collecting yourself. And yeah. <laughs> Well, there's a, actually a good little scene, and maybe it's just because we work on the festival, but those people that do hang around for a couple of days, there's normally a few good barbecues and just good beach days. And, you know, maybe we should promote that a bit, bit more, like stay in Gisborne and just have you come down there and, it's um it's beautiful when the crowds have left and um go out for dinner and things like that. So it's yeah. not the worst worst idea. There's something in that, mate. Hey, well look, thank you so much for joining me and I think we all will just keep our fingers crossed and go into it with the power of positive thinking and it'll all be epic and we'll see one of the you know, it's almost like going back in time with, with it being real Kiwiana. So that'll be awesome. 
yeah, back to the future. I was saying to someone the other day, it feels like. But um, no, thanks, Brody. Really appreciate the support. Looking forward to having you back this year after a spell. We missed you last year. Yeah. Especially that um, that staff party on the first. Year. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And the worst thing is I think the older I get, the more competitive I get to be like, come on, you've still got this. So that will be, uh, there'll be no exception to that this year, eh? Yeah. No, I look forward to you joining us and everyone else joining us. I think it's going to be, oh, it's going to be a pretty memorable year. To, you know, just to send off twenty twenty, what a thinker it's been. But kick bring, it out, bring on the next one. So long as I think what we do, as I was saying to, um, I've said to a few people because you know how quite often. Well, I think it's been more so since like 2016, 2017, when bad things have happened. Everyone's like. I'm so relieved that year is over. Next year, just I don't. I don't think we should look ahead. I think we just go cool. We survived that. Good luck. You know, like let's not promise ourselves anything and just be thankful that we've got to 2021. Yeah. No, no. Fingers crossed. We can all uh, kick it to the curb. Absolutely. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, thanks everyone for listening. That was Kiwi Yarns. We'll see you next week.